0: Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities, from Kentucky Humanities, where we've been telling Kentucky stories for 45 years. Here is your host, Bill Goodman.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Think Humanities. Uh, This episode of the podcast, will talk about the Kentucky Book Festival and the Kentucky Book Fair. Because uh, oftentimes uh, after a book fair, we get questions about uh, number one titles and who was in the top ten and uh, did uh, everything go well and did anybody uh, uh, trip and fall out in the parking lot or whatever. You know, we get lots of uh, wild and zany questions. And I have two uh, lovely people with me today who were largely responsible for, along with a... uh, small but mighty staff, uh, putting a, a great event on that we held at the Kentucky Horse Park Alltech Arena on the week of November 12th uh, through the 17th. Our book fair was on the 17th, and they are book Brooke book, Raby <laughs> and Julie Clear. Uh, Brooke is uh, has been the project manager and book fair manager uh, for the Kentucky Book Fair and for m- many other uh, events that we've had uh, during the course of her time here at Kentucky Humanities, and she's uh, sadly leaving us uh, soon uh, to uh, take on some new responsibilities in a uh, new position uh, here in Lexington. Julie Clear has been a longtime event uh, producer and coordinator of uh, many other events, uh, not only for Kentucky Humanities, but for many uh, people uh, in um, uh, companies uh, around town. She's also, you might remember Julie, as soon as you hear her voice, Uh, a star of stage and screen when she was 12 right sure (laughs) that was julie and you probably recognize her voice from uh you were the lead in um in uh, my fair lady or what
0: at 12 no
1: that would have been incredible i
0: did meet meet my husband while i was uh fanny bryce and on on stage and
1: he owns up to that
0: he does
1: what was he doing
0: he was walking down the hallway and stopped by to audition, and oh. so that's how we met.
1: Bob is an actor also?
0: Yes, he is, and a fine singer. Well, so I didn't... There you have it. Brooke, this is brand you? new information. Yeah, brand new. It's been cl- holding back on us. I the have. Clear Family Singers. That's yeah.
1: true. He needs to be on the Think Humanities podcast. Yes, he, yes, he does. does. But seriously, uh, now, um, we do good questions, uh, and it, it, this is a good uh, catharsis for us, too, to to once again do a, a post-mortem on the Kentucky Book Festival, and I'm just going to set it up, Brooke, uh, this way to say this was the first annual Kentucky Book Festival, but the 37th Kentucky Book Fair, and one of the questions we had uh, from some of the attendees, if not maybe even some of the authors, what's the difference between a fair and a festival, and why did we choose to expand to a festival this year?
2: Oh man, I wish there was a really there's a a pretty easy answer to that first question, which I think is that uh, lots of times when people ask me what I do, um, I say I manage the Kentucky Book Fair, and they're like, "Oh, is that like a Scholastic Book Fair or, you know, the things that you do in schools?" And no, that's not that's not at all the answer. Um, So when we were talking about it earlier this year, and we were talking about changing it from festival to fair, you know, fair always has always talked, has always implicated to me that it's a short time event. It's a you know. It's that format where you have all of those authors in one room and it's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily talk, speak to like other activities that you have going on, any panel discussions or anything like that. So festival, to my mind, seemed to really be a a better reflection of what we were trying to do. And then, of course, when we added the expansion. It's for sure a festival. It's a, multi, mm-hmm. it's a multi-day event.
1: And Julie, you are an expert in in branding and naming. Um, you help us so much in that area and sort of calling attention to to what we should be and how we should how we should. Uh, and I, I mean this. Um, very lightly, but but how we should make ourselves or remake ourselves or rebrand ourselves and that sort of thing and that, that was a big task that you studied a lot. Well what what were you going to respond to and, and what in your mind is the difference in a fair and a festival?
0: Well, I think uh, Brook's dead on with the fact that festival in my mind and with other companies that I work with uh, implies a longer term of period, if you will. and and music festivals are the number one thing we hear about. I think within general public's mind, uh, things that last longer than one day. Uh, But what's critical about the brand of going from a fair to a festival is how do you help the general public and your internal public's too, as well, your authors, your staff, your board, how do you get everybody on board to understand that this is a much wider scope experience than they've ever had before. So first annual is absolutely dead on.
1: And so if we were um, sitting down again uh, in January or February and thinking about the expansion, which I want you to talk about in just a moment, uh, would we do the same thing again uh, this year? Not the expansion, but as far as the the naming of the fair and the festival. Uh, Julie, what?
0: From a branding perspective, I think we've set the tires to the road and we must continue forward. Uh, had had things gone awry this time around, maybe sit back, take a look at it and see what we could have done better, whether it's adding days, lessening days. But once you brand yourself in the public's mind, which is what we attempted to do and we will have to do for the next several years, that's the other part of it. It's not a one-time branding experience. Most events of this nature take at least five years to get on the calendar, in the mindset, in someone's psyche so we have a long way to go so in my mind from a branding perspective it never goes back to just a single word like fair it remains a festival but at the heart of the festival is the Kentucky Book Fair and that communication is critical as well
2: absolutely and we we I think we've done a really good job or at least we've very much tried to impart to people both internally and externally that you know this is this really fun cool thing that we're trying to do but you know the the genesis of all of this and the heart of it is the fair you know that's what people are familiar with and that's the event that they love and now our job is to condition them and and not train them but you know familiarize them with these other events and that make that be something they love too
1: so brooke in three years uh how did we become the home kentucky humanities of the kentucky book festival now and and fair how did all that come about
2: I'm because I'm really over ambitious and I clearly don't like you guys at all. No. Um, so in 2016, um, the uh, Kentucky Humanities and actually in 2015, Kentucky Humanities shadowed that Kentucky Book Fair that was run by a volunteer board in Frankfurt. And, uh, you know, kind of learned the ins and outs of it. Julie was on that team. Um, and at that time, I was on the board of the Book Fair. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, so in early 2016, Actually, then late after you know before the fair after the fair. Kentucky Humanities had had been contemplating taking it over making it a part of the council Uh, in February of 2016 that happened and I started here that year um, and we've had it since then and of course (laughs) so the first year everything was pretty copacetic we added some uh, some cool features to the event it was still in Frankfurt still in the same venue it had been in for a long time and then um, of course in 2017 about six months prior to the event we um, learned that the convention center would be torn down in Frankfurt so we moved it to like Lexington and of course this year we expanded.
1: I remember that day honestly uh, like yesterday very very (laughs) clear in my mind that uh, that I received a call from uh, the secretary of the cabinet Don Parkinson who announced before it was to be released to the press the very next day that they were going to demolish the convention center and uh, we ran out into I did into (laughs) the hallway didn't I I think I was right out here outside the podcast studio and said oh my gosh what a challenge this is going to be and then we started looking into venues and I I think Julie people uh, first of all we need to give um, plenty of credit to the committee who ran it for 34 years. Oh, 100%. Uh, Carl We're West. standing the, um, on the
0: shoulders yeah, of absolutely. others. Absolutely.
1: The editor of the Frankfurt Journal for so many, many years, mm-hmm. uh, Carl West uh, started the fair mm-hmm. and their, their stories of uh, its beginnings, which uh, someday we'll have to have a, a, a board member, uh, a committee member, uh, tell us th- those stories. But uh, Julie, the the challenge uh, at the time was to find another venue, and we've had a lot of people, a lot of very caring, interested people in what we do, and, and in the book fair said, well, why don't you take it to Louisville, uh, mm-hmm. to the convention center? Mm-hmm. Why don't you move it downtown? The mm-hmm. University of Kentucky was building a, um, a new student center, which is now complete, uh, and uh, we decided to to go to the Kentucky Horse Park and the Alltech Arena for, for a couple of, I think, solid reasons. Mm-hmm. What were those, Julie?
0: Well, going back to what you said about the research, you come out of your office, we all are led mm. to know and understand that there will be no building in Frankfurt any longer. So we looked in Frankfurt and that's something that I I think it's important to remember. We looked at going to the Capitol. We looked at- We looked at Lawrenceburg.
2: Lawrenceburg. We looked at places, you know, even surrounding towns mm-hmm. around Frankfurt.
0: Absolutely, but to your most pointed question, why did we go to the Kentucky Horse Park? Uh, Part of it is access whenever you have individuals from several, several counties, because when we shadowed the event, we looked at the license plate tags on cars and discovered what counties people were coming from. So it's not just a central Kentucky event. There's a surrounding, far greater surrounding county encompassing who actually comes to the event. So we needed accessibility and to be able to get to the horse park right off of the interstate is a it's a coup. You we love downtown Lexington. We love downtown Louisville. We love northern Kentucky, but when you have to go into those downtowns, you are dealing with grids that are run on one-way streets and parking structures and sometimes hard to find. So, accessibility was number 1. Second thing is parking. That's a huge coup for us, and I keep using that word because you don't always fall right into, gosh, and there's parking right there. Um with the with free
1: free parking free parking yeah
0: absolutely yeah uh and that in and of itself those two things right there the third thing at the time was availability we also had lexington's uh downtown uh ballrooms uh we looked everywhere and we there was just no availability and again going back to the brand when you try to put your dates on a calendar you want to stay close by they could have helped us out in october Mm-hmm. They couldn't help us out in November. Mm-hmm. And this event had begun to land itself in the, in the November time mm-hmm. frame. So those three things, availability, accessibility, parking, those were top of mind. Uh, and we also received very generously, I think, from the Kentucky Horse Park and their staff, the willingness to take a new event that they had never done before and help us to execute it. Yes. They were very open to what we needed, what we didn't have, what they had that we could borrow. So I think that was all part of the, you can't say we fell into it, we worked our way into mm-hmm. it, but that had everything to do with why we ended up at Alltech Arena.
2: And that, yeah, they jumped right on board, they were super enthusiastic and willing to help on such short notice and th- that really made a difference.
1: So when you began to think about uh, a festival with more events, uh, how did you go about uh, putting uh, those thoughts in your mind and and I'm gonna remind folks, um, because I think there were a lot of people who attended the Kentucky Book Fair who didn't participate in the festival Mm -hmm. for very good reasons. um, And we've mentioned a couple of those, but uh, we'll go over some of those events that people might've missed. So Brooke, uh, when you started to think about expansion, how did you go about that?
2: Well, I I started thinking about expansion because, um, you know, on a really on my side of the job which is kind of boring to other people but i would hear a lot from authors who you know like i really like a place to speak i really like to be able to be heard and to read my work or do this that and the other with people and in the venues that we've been in you know there's only so much space and only so much time in the day so um and then on a you know a much more basic level um it's it's encouraging to see the number of people that are interested and excited about literary goings on in Lexington. So you know you, we had the Book Pinches project, and I'm I'm constantly going to the to literary events around Lexington, and for the most part, you know they have a they have a good turnout. Um, and I thought there there was really no reason we couldn't do the same thing.
1: And you started thinking about uh, all genres, uh, all groupings of of uh, authors. Um, and, and uh, locations that we wanted to, to be convenient for people. Mm-hmm. And so you tried to touch uh, YA, young adult, mm-hmm. uh, you tried to touch poetry, prose, just talk a little bit about the 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 difference, uh, the different offerings that we uh, put together throughout the week from the 12th through the, let's say the 16th, and we'll talk about the 17th just a moment, although there was sort of 16 and a half before, yeah. we, before we get to school day. Sure. Um. Yeah, I just wanted
2: to, I especially wanted to work with people who were, you know, local to the area. So people, you know, Kentucky authors, folks from Louisville and in eastern Kentucky, and um, really showcase, especially if they weren't going to be able to be at the fair, which was the case with some people, um, was to showcase some of their work um, in, in a more kind of in-depth way. Now with Beck Dory Stein, who was our Cocktails and Conversation author, she was a national author that we was on our radar here in the office and she couldn't do Saturday. So the great thing was I was able to turn around to her publicist and say, well, hey, what about Thursday? Or, hey, what about some other day during the week? So, <clears throat> you know, a lot of the, the the benefit of the expansion was to be able to accommodate, you know, the regional and national authors who couldn't necessarily make it on Saturday or didn't want to or whatever. Um, and, uh, just to be able again to give them a bigger platform
0: and i want to add something to that brooke also to expand the target audience yes there are within this festival there are moments and events for a variety of audiences we we see a a certain individual that comes into the book fair Mm -hmm. and we we think we know who's going to walk in those doors not every time can you can you gauge that but with different types of events that are run-ups to that big main event, we opened ourselves up to other people who may may not have ever heard of the book fair, may not have been great literary minds, but they were willing to go and have a cocktail with somebody who had a story mm-hmm. about being in the White House. And so all of that, uh, those those 10 events over six days, yeah. and that's that's what we were dealing with which from a producer's perspective is a lot that's a lot <laughs> but it gave us opportunity to reach even further out to audiences where we thought we had not been reaching those audiences so yeah there
2: was a there wasn't you yeah, know there was kind of a larger uh, i guess agenda too mm-hmm. was that we you know just as a council just as an organization we have to make sure that we are getting our name out and letting people know that we exist to serve them
1: yeah and i think uh it was uh somewhat of a challenge for you for event producers uh to put together 10 uh, events in one week but also marketing Uh, marianne stess did such an excellent job with the help of all the staff but she was principally in charge of of uh, putting um press releases together and getting the uh the signage out and all of that it was a it was a huge undertaking for the for the first year and just to really quickly run down for those who might be listening who did not attend the book fair or the festival or might have attended and discarded their uh, catalog, uh, we started on Monday with uh, New Kentucky Poetry and Prose with our friends and partners at the Carnegie Center. Uh, our literary lunch with Silas House uh, took place on Tuesday, and I want to return to all of these and talk just a, a snippet about uh, each and every one of them, um, and then we followed um uh, that uh, on uh, uh, we, uh, we, Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Tuesday night yep. with the, the Social Staircase at the University of Kentucky, one of our chief sponsors this year. Mm-hmm. For the first time, we are very proud to have them on board, and we're going to give credit to all of our sponsors, some who've been uh, supporting us uh, for a number of years, and uh, the University of Kentucky uh, for the first year. Um, Books, bites, and bourbon was on Wednesday night, and that was uh, a partnership with uh, Azure Restaurant mm-hmm. and. Uh, the author, Tim Laird, and a friend of his uh, who've written a, a, a great cookbook, I, uh, I think we ended up buying three or four of those just as Christmas <laughs> gifts, the the Bourbon Country <clears throat> Cookbook uh, that they've written, um, and, and that was a, a really fun event. Uh, Cocktails and Conversations, uh, we've mentioned with Beck Dory Stein, that was the uh, the cocktail event with this uh, really young, dynamic uh, memoirist, uh, memorist mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who's now writing a novel, we found out. But she wouldn't talk a lot about that, would she? <laughs> she would not. Uh, and then that evening, two books and brews trivia down at uh, West Sixth uh, Brewery, uh, which uh, I, I was uh, at a dinner that night and didn't get to attend. But I understand that was a terrific, uh, fun event.
2: It was incredible. And I have to say that like <clears throat> I had access to those questions prior to. And it was incredible. Like the some of these teams, I'm, I don't know, I think some of these teams just well, completely explain, nailed explain it. We how. may have had one perfect score.
1: <laughs> explain that how that works, because we're going to do that event again. Explain how trivia works. Well, we, we may not even wait till the book fair <laughs> next year.
0: Uh, <laughs> Let's just do uh, trivia. Yeah, all yeah. yeah, no, right.
2: will just be the trivia council. Um, do you, so there's a company in town that does it. They come up with the questions. Um, there are different point values assigned to each question. And so uh, like the first round, you get an opening question that may be multi-part. Then you go through three rounds that are three questions each. Um, you assign different values to those uh, to your answers. Like if you're confident, you can assign a five. If you're not confident, you can give it one point. But you have to use some sort of point assignment, and you can't use the same one twice. <laughs> And then there's a halftime question, and that's usually a multi-point. And then you go through it again, but the point values get higher, two, four, and six. Confident go six. Don't know, do two. Um, yeah. And then there's usually a final question, and you can bet up to 15 points, and that can somehow, sometimes it clinches or kills you. It just depends. Um, but some of these questions, you know, these these are five authors. Name their best-selling titles. Yeah. So Suzanne Collins and James Redfield and Paolo Coelho, and, you know, some of them, honestly, Yeah. I was like, "Oh man, I kind of forgot." Yeah, but um, it was it was really and great. The
1: the company uh, without your help put together the, uh, they the questions. They did. Yeah. They did. They're experts at this. Well, that's terrific. Yeah. No, but and the
0: other part of it is you're sitting at a table, perhaps with your neighbors. We had people put a team together yeah, 15 from Ar- teams and Arcadia yeah. Yeah. Drive. Yes, uh-huh. put together their own team, and so you rely on your neighbors to help when you don't know the answer. That's right, and you can. You can discuss it and then one person on the team runs your answer to the trivia guy mm-hmm. so you're up and down and people are people are cheering against each other and people are cheering for each other and so it's a it's so lighthearted. And, it is and we we were sitting with beck mm-hmm. dory stein that night and all of us who knew the questions couldn't answer so we put it on her and she was <laughs> The pressure was far too much. She said, <laughs> I can't do this. So like, so. I'm going to get a pretzel, never mind. I'm going to get a pretzel and I'll be back. But uh, it West, was great fun. And West Six did. Great West Six was, yeah, I was going to say, job. they
2: were a fantastic partner uh, with us too.
1: And you're drinking beer the whole time.
0: It's hard
2: or, to make that. <laughs> it, yes,
0: beer and other <laughs> items, Which, I'm sure were, we're <laughs> served. Food. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah. great.
1: Great food. Uh, yep. So then on Friday morning, uh, we partnered uh, first time, mm-hmm. uh, a sponsor, uh, Commerce Lexington uh, in downtown Lexington for their spotlight breakfast and uh, that featured Cal Turner Jr. of Dollar General Store fame and he was uh, interviewed by Carla Blanton who did just a a great job Mm. and uh, it was their most attended spotlight breakfast for the entire year which was uh, pretty neat. We felt really uh, really quite uh, um, good about all of that and and besides Mr. Turner was just a, a super speaker and guest and so nice to everybody he signed books and autographs inside and, and didn't, was, didn't you think he was just a, a great uh um uh, representative of uh, bus- the the business community uh, as well as just being a, a, a all around good guy
2: he was and, and it was remarkable because um Everybody had a story. When I was walking around that room before the breakfast started, everybody was like, oh, well, here's how I'm connected to Cal Turner Jr. (laughs) And it was all these wonderful stories. And, of course, the mayor got up and and did the proclamation. He told a wonderful story. Tell that story. Oh, okay. All right. So when when, when Mayor Gray and his brother Howard uh, many, many years back, um, the business wasn't doing so well, and they were trying to build it up. And so he, uh, I think –
1: in my hometown of Glasgow. Yes, in Glasgow. That's where the right. business was, right. was uh, headquartered at the time. And
2: Mayor Gray had talked to Cal about selling some sort of stock, and he or buying some sort of stock, and so he goes home to his mom and says, we need to buy all this stock, and she says, that would be really cool if we had any money. Hmm. So um, so anyway, they went back to him, and he was looking to build a warehouse or some sort of shipping in, facility. In,
1: in Allen County in Scottsville, where they started. Right. Right.
2: And uh, the Grays put in a bid, and that was really... That was really a lifesaver for Gray Construction, and um, it was a million dollar contract at that point, which seems like nothing now. But
1: they negotiated that on Christmas Eve, yes, and uh, signed the papers on Christmas Eve. And uh, Jim Gray uh, tells that uh, if it was not for Mr. Turner's uh, building and the Fruit of the Loom Company in mm. Bowling Green, mm-hmm. Kentucky, the company could have. gone Gone under under. Uh, they were uh, it was uh, at that point that they were not even breaking even and so the rest they say is sort of history uh, and it was
2: wonderful to have that connection that our mayor has that that all these people had that connection and you know it was proclaimed cal turner junior day and he gave him a key to the city and
1: yeah it was pretty cool he's a terrific guy so um a lot of what we do um is uh, people aren't aware of um a lot of what we do, we want people to be aware of, and, and this is, uh, I, I think, one of the proudest moments for all of us in the office. And maybe uh, School Days was the least publicized, or the, the, we, we got some credit out in the state where we were, but uh, Julian Brook, why don't you just talk about what we, how we redesigned School Days, uh, what, it, what it was, what it is, and, and proudly uh, how successful it was.
0: Well, I'd start by saying that school days never went away. The, the location of where school days happened changed. So while the, the general idea was, oh, why did why did school days go away? Why weren't the kids at the arena? Well, in fact, we were reaching more children through outreach and authors in the school setting itself. And a lot of times with events like this, you test and you try and you figure out what's going to work best. And we felt this year... With the authors that had committed to us to go out into the schools, uh, and they were great authors who had a wide variety of experience with school children already on an elementary and middle school level, that was to our advantage. But the sheer numbers of children that we reached and were able to give books to, and Brooke, I'm going to let you talk about the the sponsor behind that mm-hmm. because you don't you don't get to do things and give nice gifts to kids who may never ever go to a book festival or have one at their school without the support of sponsors like the sponsor we had for school days so it never went away it just changed how how the children were being reached so
2: and we had two years of of data you know looking at who we were reaching and how many kids we were reaching and and you know it was always great but you know the the objective is always to do better so and when you Uh, look at like reading studies and literacy studies especially about Kentucky there are plenty plenty of kids who live in um, cities or towns that don't have robust public library systems or they're so rural it's difficult for them or their parents to get to the library or they you know or or of course you know bookstores are pretty scarce anyway but um so that was the other idea behind behind school days and one of the other things that we talked about was wouldn't it be cool if every kid that came that participated in the kentucky book festival got a book and thanks to the incredible generosity of the elsa high school school foundation in northern kentucky um, we were able to buy a book for every child that uh, was visited by an author we were able to buy a classroom set for every school that uh, applied to be part of the program but uh, was not able to um And that was, we reached about 1,260 kids. We purchased about 1,950 books. And I know for sure that a couple of these kids, this is the only book they had. We have authors that have said, you know, that kid said, that's the only book I have. And I mean, gosh, that's such a great feeling.
1: Well, I think it (laughs) needs to be said, too, that when we uh, brought kids into the All Tech Arena last year, a lot of them came in with mom or dad's credit card, mm-hmm. some came with cash, some came with nothing. nothing. Mm-hmm. They got back on the bus, and Sally had a book, but Joe did not. Mm-hmm. And uh, we didn't want that. Yeah. Uh, and and I don't think, and, and let's harken back to the uh, Frankfurt Committee, the, the Book Fair Committee, mm-hmm. uh, and some of the original members said that they always wanted to try to, to put a book in everyone's In every child's hand and that and that's what we did 1950 yep that's an incredible number um and we're so proud how did you choose such terrific authors to go to those schools i mean i i was I, i met some of them for the first time uh during this week and during uh the author's reception on friday night and then the next day too they were so enthusiastic how did you happen to choose the absolute best and right one, seriously.
2: We, <laughs> we, uh, well, I've, I've had experience, um, with those authors through, you know, my past life as a bookseller. And then also, we had, again, data and experience with them for the past two years with the Kentucky Book Fair. Um, <clears throat> and also, you know, some of them lived in Tennessee, which makes it easier for them to reach low, southern parts of yeah, the state.
1: We were in Fulton, Kentucky.
2: Right, yeah. (laughs) Which, if you live in Lexington, that's a. If you live in Northern Kentucky, that's a five. That's a seven-hour drive or something. If you live in Nashville, it's really not that Mm -hmm. bad. Mm -hmm. So, so I chose them based on number first and foremost their ability to hold to to talk to students and hold them, you know, make them excited about reading books and their personal commitment. I knew their personal commitment to reaching these kids, Um, and then geography was second. And and that kind of thing. So yeah. And
0: I think they really, the authors really understood that there is an underserved across all parts of Kentucky. There are kids, as we mentioned before, who don't have scholastic coming in, right. who don't have a library. And that for the, for an author, that makes something special mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. You yeah. really know you're there those kids are wanting to see you and wanting to interact with you and and, and that's that's huge.
2: And one of the things the authors said a lot, um, i had you know asked for a lot of quotes for press releases for each of these visits and they said i never had a school visit when i was a kid Mm -hmm. and i never thought about being a writer Mm -hmm. until i was way past school Mm -hmm. age that never even came into my mind you know if maybe if i had had a school visit i wouldn't have waited so long
1: well it's delightful we were uh, fortunate to get um, some great video from our Mm -hmm. uh, partner uh, at kentucky humanities michael breeding and michael breeding productions Uh, we'll have that up on our website soon and as well as a lot of still pictures. Every report, let's be honest, we got some pro and con on <laughs> all the events and everything that we did. I mean, that's just natural. You, sure. you can't please 100% of the people 100% of the time. Uh, and it's fine. And most of, I think, the comments that they gave us uh, in surveys and that sort of thing were, were constructive criticism. They're, they're trying to help us, mm-hmm. uh, they're suggesting things. I didn't hear one negative, did you? about school days. I only heard very positive. I'm trying to think. I didn't, I can name I some other. Recall, uh, I can't no. Just, I, mean, I can't
2: either. And I mean, even you know, before but, the book, read, the, the authors that participated were like, this was one of the best things.
1: Sometimes, aren't they? Authors are, uh, can be a little withdrawn, a little sometimes introverted. They uh, spend all day uh, and sometimes all night by themselves writing and, mm-hmm. and editing and, 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 uh, they don't. They love to. Some of them to be with the public. These authors were all so enthusiastic about the kids, and they um, they signing these books and things. I just just it's just very heartwarming. It is
0: the other thing I'd like to mention as a segue. Bill is the masterclass aspect of kids and their their participation um, when we talk about every kid. Um, getting that you know a book um, Mm -hmm. I think that's huge and once again with the kindness of a sponsor uh, we had an opportunity to do that for high schoolers on a on a topic now they did come to the uh, all-tech arena and uh, weather unfortunately kept some away Uh, we always run into some kind of a a little bit of a glitch when it comes to um, the master class and high schoolers because those kids don't always get permission slips signed and, you know, buses come and perhaps they're not all the all the way full. But those kids who did come to the master class, uh, which was uh, the first presentation was Dr. Jonathan Cullick. Uh, it was phenomenal. He's a teacher and professor at Northern Kentucky University. So he knew how to communicate with those kids. And when they got up to ask Q&A questions, they were, they were right there with him. They were on point with him, and then it was followed by um, Dr. Keene Babbage and our superstar from UK, Juwan <laughs> Page, who everybody loves, and uh, he, he's—they were terrific talking about getting prepared for the college experience. And every kid in that room, whether they were sophomores, juniors, or seniors, was looking ahead and getting information. But, but again, the reason I mentioned that is because we've talked a lot about elementary and middle school, but there is a high school component to it. Uh, that also goes back to all of the different audiences that a yes. festival that a fair that this whole week can can reach out to. So, but but more about the masterclass I know you want to you want to mention. Well, and I think
2: to to your point being who we are and having the mission that we have, school days and and masterclass really speak so truly to mm-hmm. what it is that we're trying to do and the mission that we're trying to live every day. So <clears throat> it's the best thing. it's just the best thing, those mm-hmm. two programs. Um, so the Kentucky Colonels actually gave us a really uh, a really generous grant to purchase copies of Dr. Jonathan Cullick's, um All the King's Men uh, by Robert wait, Robert companion. Penn Warrens, I do this all the time. Robert Penn Warrens All the King's Men, a Reader's Companion um from the university press of kentucky a book that um, we have all been intimately familiar with through our kentucky reads program we were excited to pass on to um to students um, as a, a continuance of their master class with him on rhetoric and persuasive speech um and and you know every kid got to go through and get it signed and that's a, that's a neat experience. I mean, for high schoolers, that's a neat experience, too. It's not just elementary and middle school kids.
1: So we've had a literary lunch uh, in the past, but we have not had one like we had this year, uh, which we uh, tagged the, thanks the to many Julie, mm-hmm. The Many
0: Sides <laughs> of Silas. The uh, Many Sides
1: of Silas house. And uh, just briefly, um, tell us about that and, and what a marvelous experience that was for every single person uh, at LexArts and their, uh, their room that they... Uh, uh, we were in for the Literary Lunch?
0: Well, if I'm not mistaken, most oftentimes a Literary Lunch is an hour long, there's a reading by an author, and you have the opportunity to either purchase or have a book autographed by that author. So it's a very short-term experience. Um, with Silas in particular, um, he, the many sides of Silas literally came because he is an executive producer of a movie, he is a musician, and he is an author. And all of the stars just happened to line up for this particular event because he knew the other musicians to bring in. He developed the program. I wish I could take full credit for the program (laughs) that he uh, and Jason and Tiffany put together uh, to make it something that no one expected. I sat in the back of the room with the tech Um, the great guys from AVT, who go on all of these projects with us. And we were blown away by the fact that it was seamless. Now, it takes a lot to get to seamless. Even though Silas would say, oh, we just rehearsed it last night. Mm -hmm. I would have imagined that they had done that program 12 to 15 times. It was spot on. Everybody in the room, I think, was just astounded by what they heard and they saw and what they didn't know about Silas because he's a very prominent figure. And I think a lot of people know, feel like they know him mm-hmm. well, but man, oh man, he brought the goods, and it was <laughs> it was just terrific. And as a producer who's jaded by everything she ever sees, usually because she feels like she's seen it before, I hadn't yeah. seen this, and it was great. It was great all the way around. Well, let's give a
1: shout out to um, to uh, Salas's uh, partner, his husband uh, Jason Howard, Absolutely. who's an author, writer, and a musician, yes. in his own right, and who knew, gosh, that. Uh, piano piece and uh the music under was like Hollywood hello and then Tiffany Williams from Nashville who is originally from Pikeville and and went to U Pike and uh if you're uh,
2: not listening to her you should yeah well absolutely. she has
1: a, a as uh, we record uh this podcast she has a, a an EP coming out in about a month and uh, we hope to attend uh one of her shows here uh She's working in politics in Tennessee, if you can believe that, but she's also trying to to make it in, in not country music, but just music in yeah. Music City, USA. She's more of a folk. Americana folk, uh, yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. thing. So, uh, and she's
2: a dialect coach.
1: And uh, is, Yes, for movies. Which is
2: really interesting to me. And, Maybe and not just
1: the sweetest, nicest uh, young woman uh, ever uh, that we met and was so cooperative. Gosh, I uh, just... Um, Hate that uh, a zillion people weren't there. Uh, well, it,
0: I will say this though, and this is maybe a pitch for next year or whatever comes in the future for this literary luncheon, whatever it becomes. The setting at Arts Place was intimate. You felt like you were so special to be in that room. Now I've done large-scale events where you feel like I'm ten miles back <laughs> from the stage, and I maybe I can't hear so well, or what did no. they say? the sound in the room was great the room itself was perfect for the number of people we had Uh, would we have liked to have had a few more people sure but i can tell you what for those who were present if they're not spreading the word i would be shocked because they truly got to see something that no one expected so um, yeah kudos to everybody who had an input into how that event was going to
2: and to our sponsors oh, for that event, oh, were yes. Berea College, of course, um, who've always, they've been wonderful to us and they've been a sponsor for the past two years. And then a new sponsor this year was Central Bank.
1: Let's do two things uh, as we wrap up. Maybe, maybe more than two, but uh, we'll try to do these two. Let, let's talk about our sponsors just a minute and uh, and how incredibly uh, resourceful they were to us and, and how helpful they were to us. We, we couldn't have done these things. Uh, we couldn't have done the expansion. And let's talk about our volunteers. Okay. Uh, that worked with us throughout the week, but also uh, on uh, the seventeenth, November seventeenth, Kentucky Book Fair. Well, Brooke, not you just and you know I don't know of any other way without leaving somebody out, and we'll probably leave somebody out. Just just read a read a list of, of yeah. all the the supporters we had.
2: Sure. Um, Lindsey Wilson College and Spalding University now for the Spalding University for the second year and Lindsey Wilson for the third. Thank you guys. Um, Elsa High School, which I mentioned earlier. Face It and Cosair Charities, uh, a great partner of ours, the University of Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky University, second year sponsors, Berea College, second year sponsors, Central Bank, Hilliard Lions, Lexington Fayette Urban County, second year sponsors, Merrill Lynch, Transylvania University, University of Pikeville, second year sponsors, Alice Lloyd College, second year sponsors commerce lexington frost brown todd kctcs second year sponsors rory harris second year sponsor visit lex second year sponsor moorhead state University second year sponsor and the kentucky Colonels. we also have great community partners and in-kind donors like joseph beth booksellers our official bookseller partner they're incredible please go shop Um, wkyt our media partner who did a great job working with us in the middle of a low inventory completely politicized um uh media time you know just doing everything they could for us kentucky monthly always does a great job of helping us get the word out around the state the university press of kentucky so much we couldn't do without them bryant's rental commerce lexington again uh, with some advertising in kind there azure the carnegie center wildcat moving who's our logistics sponsor um and west six brewing the main on main i think that's
0: everybody Well, if we missed anybody please we're sorry and thank you sorry but we love you and we want you back <laughs> yeah we sure do
1: and and again um, just comment about uh, our volunteers um, and we had so many great volunteers and and also a shout out this year to two new volunteer groups so uh, one uh, the Fayette County Sheriff's Department uh, mm-hmm. sent some men over uh, on Saturday afternoon to help us with break uh, down and then uh, also the Hope Center sent uh, how many uh, broke? I think it was like twenty. 20, 20 uh, guys that came over mm-hmm. and did all that work. It was just super. We couldn't have done Tremendous that, or we could up. have done it, but it would have taken a long Julie longer. wouldn't have gotten home till the next day, and <laughs> sure. uh, so
0: well, and and I think that's part of the volunteer aspect of this is that it takes a village to do something like this. And with the staff we have here, which is terrific, and I'm a big believer in run of shows and everybody's got a job to do and I assign things to to folks, but that only goes so far. You right. have to have the person there to pick up the baton when you have had an emergency that you don't want the the audience to see. So our volunteers become extensions of who right. we are. There's no doubt in my mind. And it takes a village of volunteers. In number, we, we go well over a hundred, probably mm. closer to 150 when you include the teardown crew that comes in but it is it's not without volunteers that this thing could happen it could not happen without volunteers truthfully especially the day of the book fair yeah because we're dealing with numbers of people who are coming in and out of a facility and need everything from a hello how are you we're glad you're here to can i help you find the restroom Mm -hmm. and it runs the gamut and all of our volunteers come through just glowingly every every time we do this and that also goes back if i may say to the folks in frankfurt who started this oh so many years ago who laid the foundation for come and be a part of something that's really special Mm -hmm. they did it we carry on with what they started and for that we'll always be grateful
2: yeah you know, some of the people that have been volunteering since the book fair started you know for or for the early years still come and volunteer they love it that much and mm-hmm. i want to also say that you know julie hit it right on the head when she said that we especially need them on the 17th but do not get it mixed up volunteer involvement in the Kentucky book festival starts in like May, Mm uh, with our author selection Mm -hmm. committee, those folks stick around and a lot of them come back and volunteer on Mm -hmm. the day. And of course we had lots of extra volunteers with the expansion, people driving all around the state for these school days events, including, Mm -hmm. you you know, friends of yours, Bill. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and we couldn't have done it without them either. And they
1: loved every minute (laughs) of it. They really did. Uh, so Brooke, let's end up with, um, with sales by category. I've got them right here. Um, and it, you can do this um, uh, because you, you probably know the authors or will help each other along in case there's somebody that we don't know. But I, th- I think that's pretty much uh, uh, in, in th- these are top 10 uh, sales at the Kentucky Book Fair on the 17th uh, of November uh, of the 2018. This was the day of the Book Fair. Okay,
2: give me one second. Okay, so number one, here comes the A train, the story of basketball legend artist Gilmore by artist Gilmore, as it turns out. <clears throat> Southernmost by Silas House. James Archambault's Kentucky 2019 Calendar, which is a perennial bestseller for this event. Wendell Berry's The Farm. It's a reissue of an old uh, Larkspur Press volume. Uh, presidential Visits to Kentucky, 1819 to 2017, by former state librarian Wayne Angst, published by the Jesse Stewart Foundation. The Ascension by 18-year-old UK freshman, Lauren Hudson, Elkhorn, The Evolution of Kentucky Landscape by Transylvania Professor Richard Taylor, Heirs of the Founders, The Epic Rivalry of Henry Clay, John Calhoun, and Daniel Webster, The Second Generation of American Giants by Noted Historian, and Seriously, This Guy is So Smart, What Is Going On, H.W. Brands. Hmm. Let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Kentucky's Joseph C.S. Blackburn, Soldier, Statesman, and a Friend of All by Elizabeth Rouse Fielder, who is his great great granddaughter, I think. He was a senator in the 1800s in Kentucky. Um, and then finally at number 10, Henry Clay, the man who would be president by his uh, state historian, Dr. James C. Cotter.
1: So those are just the uh, the top 10. There's uh, were 180 authors there. And uh, really, if you go through Brooke, uh, the first, uh, what, uh, on that front front page, 50 or 60 or so, and I've been told this by authors too, if you sell uh, 30 or 35 books. It's a good day for an author yeah. uh, these days uh, in in this climate and and, and uh, the way people buy books and uh, it, it would be foolish to try to name names and and thank everybody We had such cooperation from uh, so many authors who who stayed behind and uh, uh, Signed books uh, all day long. Uh, we had a wonderful stage presentation at 12 noon uh, on Saturday November 17th with uh, Wendell Berry Dr. Morris Grubbs and we were so honored to have John Parrish Petey, the chair of the National Endowment for the Humanities as our special guest in conversation with Wendell Berry and that was a great event, probably the most attended event in the main stage area, uh, but we had great breakout uh, rooms uh, plus uh, other events in the main stage. It just um, and, and honestly if people uh, out uh, listening to us have uh, thoughts um, suggestions, uh, criticisms, uh, please send them uh, to us uh, here at Kentucky Humanities uh, bill.goodman at uky.edu is the uh, email address and uh, you can just go to Kentucky Humanities and search uh, any of us and uh, once again I will say um, uh, sadly uh, Brooke uh, you did such a wonderful job and we're uh, also proud of you and and what you're going to be doing in the future and uh, I think you've already signed up to volunteer next year, have you? Oh, 100%. 100%. You heard that? We got that on. I'll be there to the bitter end. Julie, um, we start working on 2019 last week, right? Last week. We sure did,
0: right before Thanksgiving. (laughs) So we're
1: excited about this and hope that uh, all of you will uh, be involved with us in some way uh, at the Kentucky Book Festival in 2019.
0: Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud.